Welcome to the Layman's Homily. My name is Brandon Darienzo, and with me is my brother, Tony. Today, the topic we have for you is home. We're going to, to hear what Tony has to share with us today, and without further ado, let's get started. Tony, mm-hmm. what is the definition of a home? So, you, you're familiar with that phrase, home is where the heart is? Yes. So I think there's some truth to that statement. Uh, I'm going to explain, sort of explain this by comparing home to uh, like a house, like a physical dwelling place. Um, so, you know, you, you, you live in a house, right? You know, or apartment or whatever, this physical place of dwelling. That sometimes is home, is his home, but it's not always home. For instance, in my own life, um, I lived in an apartment in Fort Worth. Um, it, it was it was a physical dwelling, right? I, I had a roof over my head, um, but it never really felt home. I guess I didn't feel like I belonged. So for me, I think a good definition of home would be a place, it could be a physical place, it doesn't have to be, or just a, a state of being in which you feel a sense of belonging. Okay. Interesting. So you bring up distinction between the physical dwelling and the sense of belonging. What are the, some of the circumstances that prevent people's houses today from being their homes? It's a good question. I think, I think it could be, you know, just a lack of finding that community outside or yeah or just for instance yeah in my case in Fort Worth you know I think part of that had to do with um, the pandemic lockdowns um, playing a big part and not really being able to go outside yeah and you're living by yourself yeah and I'm living by myself I didn't really I, I mean I was starting to get to know some people but like I couldn't really get to socialize with them before you just were working from home and... yeah I was just working from home so it working from house I should say right and and that's even more into today we're working from home you know working from the house so it, it makes it even less feel like a sense of rest yeah you know, we were talking earlier about how you know home could be this definition of home could be you know a place of not necessarily physical rest but rest um, for your soul right yeah we all need a place of rest we all need a home whether it's and if we can't find that in our house we're going to need to seek that seek that out elsewhere Mm -hmm. right I think also the pandemic has caused people who Maybe have stay you know are staying at home and they have kids in the house and it's really hectic. They have no, they have they're not able to get any rest at all in the mm-hmm. house. Or maybe difficult relationships with family or difficult relationships with roommates kind of prevent you from really getting the rest that you would seek, you would desire in a in a home in a house. Mm-hmm. But we do, you know, we all need that rest, like for our our soul and even our. Our mental state. Yeah, yeah. Um, continuing on this sort of thread of you know the difference between home and house, right? 
Again, like I said, a home home may may be a may be a physical dwelling. It doesn't have to be. Like, I mean, for me, I've had the blessing of being able to, you know, call this place I'm living in right now home because I, you know, feel a sense of belonging here um, because I have a good community around me that I can, you know, have over or go places to. Um, just being able to find that rest as well. Um, particularly um, the Georgia Tech Catholic Center as well being a, being a home where I feel like I belong and where I can receive that, that rest because there's this great community that like allows me to enter in and feel like I belong. Yeah. Which, again, I never lived at the Catholic Center, but it's, you know, I belonged. Right, so you, and could, still you could call it your home because of that. Yeah, and I still call it home. That's great. So, are homes temporary or permanent? Well, physical dwellings are definitely temporary, right? I mean, people move all the time. Like, for me, in, in college, I lived in four different places. Um, so, yeah, physical homes... Our physical houses, I should say, are more temporary. But I think home, sense of belonging, this 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 state of belonging, that's more more permanent, right? Yeah. You can like you can keep coming back, and you'll feel that belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, it may it may that feeling sort of may fade in or fade out um, over time, but it's there's still that sense of man. This this is where I this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are your what's some practical advice for people who aren't able to who don't feel like their houses are homes? How can they find home? Well, I'm gonna kind of move into um, scripture because um, I think you can. There are some good examples of finding this this sense of belonging, a state of rest um, through looking at some of some examples in scripture of you know plate of people who you know ne- didn't necessarily have good physical homes but they they found that state of that state of belonging so I'll, I'll dive right in so in the Old Testament we see that the Israelites were always striving to you know, early on in the Old Testament, they're trying to get to this, the Holy Land, um, which in Joshua chapter 1, verse 13, um, Scripture says that it is that the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. So hmm. very early on in Scripture, like this is right after you know, Moses has died. Very So pretty pretty early on in Scripture, God is already giving the Israelites this place of rest. And then once they do once they do cap, take the promised land, once the Lord God gives it to them and they build the temple, that is where the Israelites are most at home because they're connected to God himself there. God is the one that gives them rest. God is the one that gives them that state of belonging. They belong to him. 
he belongs to them. And then in the Gospels, right, Jesus tells um, a disciple, a would-be follower of his, um, that foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's from Matthew 8, verse 20. So Jesus, we see, didn't have a house or a physical dwelling to call home. Right? Even where he grew up in Nazareth, he's not accepted there. You can look at Luke chapter 4 um, to see that story. So where is Jesus' home? Where's, where would Jesus... Where does Jesus belong? Where is his state of rest? Um, we see this in the finding in the temple um, where he says to his mother Mary and St. Joseph, do you not know that I must be about my father's business or as some translations put, in my father's house? Um, that's from Luke chapter 2, verse 49. So for Jesus... His home, his sense of belonging, is doing his father's will. It's not a place, but a person. Hmm. Yeah, Jesus lived his life with a complete belonging to the father. Yeah, he. I like you brought up Jesus had no physical place of rest, but he would always, or he would spend... In scripture, it mentions him spending all night praying to the Father. That's what provided him the rest that he needed, mm -hmm. that belonging to the Father. What about the apostles or missionaries? Yeah, so the apostles find the same thing. That for them, home isn't a place, but a person. So in, um, in the Gospel of Mark, um, chapter 6... Jesus sends them out on mission, the twelve, the apostles, two by two. And they come back after healing the sick, casting out demons, and preaching that men should repent. They, they come back to Jesus, and they tell him everything. They tell him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. Hmm. So they find, so they find that rest, that for them their 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 re, their place of rest, their state of belonging, is not really a place, mm -hmm. but a person in Christ Himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like that because a lot of times we don't get that opportunity to really take take a rest in in the world. Yeah, following up on that point. Um, about not really getting rest in the world. Uh, St. Therese de Lisieux, um, she, she said at one point in her life, the world is thy ship and not thy home. The yeah. world is thy ship and not thy home. So it means we're not really ever going to get the sense of belonging in a physical place in this world because mm -hmm. this world is going to pass away. Yeah. So it really, in order to find our, our home, we need to follow the example of the apostles and learn that home for us is not a place, but a person, mm -hmm. the person of Jesus Christ. Hmm. And that we are most in belonging when we are doing his will 
and staying connected to him, particularly in the Eucharist and the, the other sacraments. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, Jesus says so himself. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah. Right? So he, he's even saying himself, home is not a place, but a person, me. So I guess if you take anything away um, from, from this week's topic, it's, you know, learn, learn to find your home in Christ. Because that is ultimately where you're going to find the most belonging. That's where you're, where you're going to find your rest. Hmm. What are the what are some of the ways that we can chip away at, like kind of prevent ourselves from trying to seek out a home in other things? Well, I mean, a way that a way that I like to do that is you know going to daily mass, or at the very least, mass on Sunday, um, because you know the mass is the source and summit of the Christian life. That's how Jesus asked us to worship him, um, to belong to him in the Eucharist. And in the Eucharist, we find that communion with him because he dwells within us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we become more united, not just to Christ, but also to everyone else, every, everyone else in the body of Christ. So everyone else who is of the Catholic faith. So taking strides to start belonging to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, it, start, it really starts off with, you know, deepening that relationship with Christ. Like through, through the Mass, um, going to Mass, receiving Him in the Eucharist, receiving Him in, you know, the confession, receiving His forgiveness and confession for when we step away from, try to break off that relationship with Him. And... Just having conversations with him in prayer, right? Prayers, I find nothing more than a dialogue between you and God. You know, sometimes we may not feel like he's answering, but he does answer. He always answers. It's just not necessarily in the ways that we expect. So those, so those three things, mass, sacraments, and prayer. And you talk about how, how important community has been in your own life yeah. as well. And that, yeah, and that's the other thing too, number four, like having that relationship with others because it's like through relation, good relationships with others um, that help point us people and not just like people, but people who point us to Christ, point us back to Christ. So it's important not just to have friends, but to have good friends, yeah. good friends who will point you back to the one you're ultimately meant to have the deepest relationship with. Yeah. And that's Christ. Yeah, I think one of the most, one of the biggest transfer, transformations in my life occurred at a father's house retreat where I was able to feel that affirmation through others that I belonged like never before. And I think that's, that's certainly been true in my life. I know it can be it can be really tempting to try to make a utopia on earth. But as Saint Therese states in her quote, like we're we're pilgrims and that's that's how we as Catholics, that's how we under 
we, we live with this understanding of ourselves and of the world that we're pilgrims on this earth. And we're called to be, as the priest said today, we're called to be holy, set apart from the rest of the world. And this is, it's a radical understanding of the, of the world compared to the other perspectives, the other mm-hmm. worldviews. This isn't actually our home. That's that. I mean, that is radical. Yeah, that's that is a radical message. Absolutely. But I've I've learned through through my own experiences that the more I try to live like a pilgrim, the more it helps me live with a better relationship with material the material world, mm-hmm. and have a proper relationship with created created things. Yeah, I remember reading. Uh, Speaking of pilgrimages, uh, I remember reading this past summer, uh, the Divine Comedy, um, and in in that, um, yeah. it really points to the fact that Dante um, is you know is a pilgrim. Um, For those who don't know, Divine Comedy comedy is Dante's Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. Paradiso. So it's the the whole story, basically, of Dante's salvation. Yeah. Um, and you know it it is a journey it's a pilgrimage and it teaches us that we're we're called to not necessarily make the exact same journey but to make you know our own journey our own pilgrimage to get to heaven in fact the church on earth right all of us who are in the church on earth we're called the 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 church pilgrim the pilgrim church yeah yeah so, because we're on, on our journey to reach our promised land as the Israelites were on their journey to reach their promised land in Israel. Right. It's the foreshadowing of us reaching our, trying to reach our promised land in heaven. Mm-hmm. Where we'll be with the one who really... Made us. Who made us and who brings us that belonging. Right. Full, that a rest. full sense of belonging. So house, it isn't just somewhere to store our possessions. No, well, a physical house could be, but home is not. Remember, as speaking of a similar quote to what I opened this segment with, um, Jesus says in I think the Sermon on the Mount, he says, "For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be." Mm-hmm. And so, again, where do we put our treasure? If we put our treasure in a physical house, then that's where our heart is, and yeah, that you know that could be maybe home for us, but that's not really where our home should be. Mm-hmm. Um, if we put our treasure in heaven, then that's where our heart is. Our heart is geared towards heaven, mm-hmm. and that's that would mean that that would where be where our home is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can think in my own work experience. Always for me, the the sense of belonging comes from. The actual community and the people, like the body, the corpus, like corp- and an incorporation in a place that you work, that sense of belonging also comes from the people that you're working with. Yeah, what makes the workplace a good place to work isn't necessarily the building, although, you know, if you have nice amenities like a ping pong table or, you know, a good break room, that doesn't necessarily hurt. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, a good place to work is mostly there because of the people. Yeah. The people that you're working with, the people that you're, you know, grinding, grinding with day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, to, 
to get the job done. And that's the same thing with us, like in the church, right? Is you know we're we're getting trying to get this this job this job of salvation done, like our own salvation, um, and being around people who are also working out their own salvation with fear and trembling, as Saint Paul says. Well, thank you very much, Tony, for sharing all your thoughts with us and and giving us good definition of of home and how we're going to pursue this while we're living here on earth Mm -hmm. any other closing thoughts yeah like i said um i think the big takeaway is to remember that home is not a place but a person and that Mm -hmm. person is jesus christ Mm -hmm. and in him we are going to find the, the ultimate sense of belonging the ultimate rest that we are called to i mean he he wants to give that to us We just have to respond. And so what is our choice? So there we go. I think that's a wrap for this segment. Moving on to the Cloud of Witnesses segment. Um, So we got got a bunch of of good saints this week as well, just like last week. Um, So speaking of pilgrimages, I know we talked a little bit about making a pilgrimage in in the previous segment. Brandon, you have a you have a saint who has a pilgrimage site associated with yes. her. Tell us about Our Lady of Lords. So Friday, February 11th is the feast day of Our Lady of Lords. So Our Lady of Our Lady appeared to Bernadette Saboris, a 14-year-old shepherd girl in Lords, France, 1858, and this is the fourth approved Marian apparition in the Catholic Church. And also during Our Lady of Lords. Our Lady confirms that she is the Immaculate Conception, which is four years after Pius IX proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. And the sanctuary of the Our Lady of Lourdes is one of the top Catholic pilgrimages sites. Over 200 million people have visited Lourdes. Approximately 350,000 pilgrims are estimated to visit every year. Yeah, I, I, uh, and one of my friends who's visited there, uh, he calls it uh, Catholic Disney World because <laughs> of all the long lines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bernadette said to the, the priest that she was talking to about the apparition, Father, the lady always asks for a chapel, even a very small one. And that's interesting because Mary was just, she was asking for a place, like a place where she could dwell. Right, or a place where the Holy Spirit could dwell, and the Catholics could come and receive that presence. It's a place of incredible healing. Have you ever been on a full Catholic pilgrimage, Tony? I I don't think I've been on a full like day journey, three day journey, whatever pilgrimage. But I have been to. You know, I've made sure to like visit like some stop some stops that. You know, could be considered, I guess, pilgrimage sites. Yeah. Like, you know, I've gone, I've gotten the pleasure of visiting um, Our Lady, the Miraculous Metal Chapel mm-hmm. yeah. in Paris, this back alley in Paris where, you know, you wouldn't find it unless you were looking for it. Yeah. And upon e- entering the site, it's such a joy. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's not a big chapel, but it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it's not nearly as well-known or grandiose as um, the Lord's 
Basilica is now. Um, but it is, it's still a beautiful place. Pilgrimages are a big part of other religions. Yeah, and they're a part of our, our religion too. Like, for instance, I know some people who have gone on the Santiago de Camp, uh, Camino del, del Santiago, the yeah. way of St. James, which is a you know a pilgrimage where you're hiking in north of Spain um, for several days until you reach Santiago de Compostela, the, the town where okay. the, the church is. And it's... It's amazing, like you're you're hiking for so long, and then you reach that destination, yeah, and you just take it all in, like yeah. what you've what you've accomplished, and and like the site itself, mm-hmm. like how amazing it is. Mm-hmm. All right, now Tony, tell us about another feast day that's happening this week. So actually today, um, it's it's unfortunate because this feast today is taken over by the Sunday for ordinary time. But if it weren't a Sunday, we would celebrate Saints Paul, Mickey, and Companions. Now these were Japanese Jesuits, Franciscans, laymen, and others. They were working to spread spread the Catholic faith in Japan, continuing the work of a Saint Francis Savior. So these so these men um, they they were condemned to death by the Japanese government on December 8th, 1596. Now this is several hundred years before the Immaculate Conception, um, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception was declared, but it's interesting, December 8th, it's the Immaculate Conception. They're condemned to death. Um, These people are charged with sedition or, you know, basically treason, attacking, harming, threatening harm against the government, which is ironic because it's the same charge that Christ yeah. was accused of yeah. by the Pharisees. So these, so these men, these, these people, they were, they were tortured and forced to walk 300 miles mm-hmm. across frozen terrain and through ice cold streams to reach Nagasaki yeah um, where they were crucified on top of a hill they, they climbed up the hill and they were, they did not have to carry their own wood but they were crosses waiting for them mm-hmm. to be hung up on now the youngest in the group was 10 years old dang could you imagine you know, if you're you're a ten year old kid and you're gonna be killed, would that's that's insane. The 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 courage that that young that young kid um, displayed, and there were others who were in their teenage years among them, and so they were crucified. So these these men and really kids, they were crucified and then stabbed with spears. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. Yeah, because that's the same way that Christ died, and these these Je- these these Jesuits and and others they were you know, they were joyful. They were singing singing psalms and preaching everyone they met on when they were walking, and um, those three hundred miles, and they ran to their crosses. They ran 
to their crosses with joy. You know, tying to back to the topic last week of joy, right? These executioners, they, they thought that this was going to be a death knell to Christianity in Japan. Right. But actually it kind of kindled the faith and, you know, it took a while, but a few hundred years later it became, Christianity became legal in Japan. Mm-hmm. Wanted to read this quote that he preached on the cross. Um, he said, The sentence of judgment says that these men came to Japan from the Philippines, but I did not come from any other country. I am a true Japanese. The only reason for my being killed is that I have taught the doctrine of Christ. I certainly did teach the doctrine of Christ. I thank God it is for this reason I die. I believe that I am telling only the truth before I die. I know you believe me, and I want to say to you all once again, ask Christ to help you to become happy. I obey Christ. After Christ's example, I forgive my persecutors. I do not hate them. I ask God to have pity on all, and I hope my blood will fall on my fellow men as a fruitful rain. Wow. Yeah, so it kind of reminds me of this quote from the end, that end there. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of this quote from, I think, Tertullian, who says, The blood of martyrs is the seed of faith. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly was for, for the Japanese Catholics. He was the first Japanese Jesuit. Jesuit yeah. So, it's amazing. Like that, that story of courage and joy and courage. Like that image of somebody like willfully running to the cross and singing song singing songs of not of lament, but like of joy. Yeah. Physical parallel with Christ. Definitely definitely one of the most powerful martyrdom stories. Thank you, Tony. Alright. And now we now that we've talked about some of the saints this week in the Cloud of Witnesses segment. We're going to move on to the Lyrical Lift, where, Brandon, you have yes. a fun song for us. Today, I'm going to talk about Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas. And I love this song. Not only is it a good song, but I can imagine God the Father singing these lyrics to me. And I have imagined it multiple times during those during the times of my life where I needed... I needed that sense of rest and I was kind of a little bit lost and maybe confused. So here it goes. The lyrics are, carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. God, I can imagine God the Father telling me this to keep, you know, keep persevering. There'll be peace, you know, God will provide that peace when 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 we are done with our trials, and we'll have that rest. I know that it can, they can, you know, these times can be exhausting, but no reason to no reason to cry. Always head your hang, head hang, hang, your, head hang high. your head high. So pray about that. Pray about those lyrics, and imagine God the Father singing them to you. That kind of reminds me of the lyrical lift from last week. Yep, perseverance. I mean, uh, there's definitely that theme of perseverance. 
and that pilgrimage. Yeah. You'll never walk alone on your pilgrimage. <laughs> yep. So carry on, That's true. wayward son. It's true. Now, and, and and the Lord is, is the good shepherd. He'll, he'll pull us back into line if we're going off on a wayward course. Now, yeah, it's interesting. It says wayward, right? Because you're, yeah, you're lost in the... Lost, yep. In the whatever sin or whatever you're you're doing, not... Yeah, whatever need to get back on, need, on. Needing to get back on track. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, wayward son, come back, and That's I will right. give you rest. That's right. All right, and that is it for this week's episode. A few final things before we wrap up. First, if you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review. This will help us reach more people and get the good news out to a world which desperately needs it. Second, uh, we, we have a mailbag, um, so we want to hear from you. Um, if you have any questions or comments about this podcast, this particular podcast episode or previous episodes or just anything in general, please send those comments in or questions in via email to laymanshomily at gmail.com. That's L-A-Y-M-A-N-S-H-O-M-I-L-Y at gmail.com. Finally, please pray for us and know that we are praying for you through the intercession of our patron, St. Joseph. God bless you this week, and we look forward to speaking to you all next week. This has been the Layman's Homily. (laughs) 